Hey guys, it's Danielle. Welcome back to another Pure Root Wellness Podcast, the show that discusses natural and holistic approaches for optimal health. So join me down the path towards finding the roots to your personal wellness. Hey guys, and welcome back to another Pure Root Wellness Podcast. Today the topic is going to be talking about the pancreas. The pancreas itself, um, from what I think, uh, can be an organ that's a little misunderstood, um, more so in what is the role in the body and also what happens if the pancreas becomes ill acutely or chronically. So we will delve a little bit into um, pancreatic um, issues and the role of the pancreas and what happens to the pancreas when it does become angry or pissed off and inflamed and what kind of nutritional and supplemental support can we do to help prevent some of these inflammatory processes in the pancreas but also help repair um, if if your you know pancreas is already inflamed and um, showing signs of pancreatitis so let's get started what is the pancreas and what does it do for me so in order to understand, you know, when a pancreas gets angry, what is its role in the body first is a good place to start. So there's two roles that the pancreas itself um, has to do in the body, two jobs. One of the first jobs, it works as a secreting gland. We call this an exocrine gland. And really what this just means is it releases enzymes to digest starch, which is like amylase. Amylase is the enzyme. Um, it helps to digest fats, which lipase is the enzyme that helps to break down fats, and protein. Trypsin is the enzyme that helps break down protein. So, you know, your pancreas really has an enzymatic kind of role in saying, okay, you ate the starch, you ate the fats, you ate the protein. My job now is to use these enzymes, the amylase, lipase, trypsin, to break everything down. How can I break this down for you to use this energy and to uh, basically help the body function the way it should? So that's the first role is really all the enzymatic kind of processes. The second role, it helps to secrete hormones. We call this the endocrine action. Um, it really helps to secrete hormones like insulin and glucagon. And this ultimately is what helps regulate your blood sugar in your body to stay, you know, it's basically saying, you have too much sugar in your body, secrete the insulin to take the sugar out, or you don't have enough sugar in your body, your blood sugar is getting too low, here's some glucagon to help keep things going, right? Your brain can't function without, you know, that that sugar, um, and it senses that. It, it has that homeostasis of, of understanding, hey, what do you need, more or less? So those are really the two big roles for the pancreas itself. And just so you know, you know, the pancreas kind of sits, um, it, it communicates with the actual small intestine portion, the duodenum is what we call it. And inside the pancreas, um, there are ducts that also communicate with the gallbladder. And all of this connect, you know, connected together really helps to, you know, have that communication between the gallbladder, the pancreas, and the duodenum. So the food goes through the duodenum, which is the small intestine. It exits out of your stomach and starts working its way through the small intestine. That's when the pancreas says, oh, I saw you ate starch. Oh, I saw you ate fat or protein. And it helps to secrete those enzymes, right? 
directly into the pipes of the intestinal tract to break down what um, you know what you just ate. The gallbladder also communicates with that pancreas and duodenum kind of aspect as well um, to help break down further any foods um, that need to be broken down. And truly, gallbladder juice, people you know who work in like surgical care, they sometimes um, say that the gallbladder, I guess juices that come out of it are a lot like dish soap right? And it helps to, again, just kind of break down and emulsify um, the food so we can use them for stored energy. Now, symptoms of an unwell pancreas, um, although can be broad, uh, most often than not, you have some pretty extensive abdominal pain. Um, The abdominal pain can be, you know, specific, to kind of the epigastric or kind of right under the rib cage area, uh, sometimes more so on the right side. Sometimes you can have referred pain where maybe it goes to the back or, you know, the shoulder blades. Um, it just kind of is patient specific. But truly, people who come in with an unwell pancreas typically have diarrhea, bloating, um, a lot of flatulence or farting. Some people will complain of fat, like foul or stinky, oily stools, uh, weight loss, unable to, you know, um, basically you're malnourished, kind of looking like you're malnourished, but, uh, you know, seeing that your body is depleted of major stores of, of, you know, certain vitamins and minerals and nourishment. And then diabetes also, poor blood sugar control. Um, and that all kind of makes sense, right? If the body, if the pancreas's job is to keep your sugars under control and they're not, maybe there's something going on with the pancreas. If the pancreas's job is to secrete these enzymes and break down foods so you can use them for nourishment and you're malnourished, then the pancreas isn't able to be doing its job that it needs to do. So one of the questions is, what actually puts stress on your pancreas? And... Um, you know, there's a handful of things that that can put stress on the span- on the pancreas itself. But the six major, I guess, stressors for the pancreas include the following. So, alcohol consumption is one, right? Um, a good portion of my patient population that comes in, um, it's either you know gallstones, um, which again are another kind of stressor on the pancreas. If you have a gallstone that starts to get you know, in a duct and blocks. Um, and pretty much the pipes are blocked and all these juices and enzymes can't squirt into the duodenum where they need to squirt. Um, you know, we call that kind of obstructive process that can then start to backlog the pancreas and inflame it. But alcohol consumption, back to that, that's also another big factor in um, my patient population that comes in where um, heavy, heavy alcohol consumption you know, the pancreas is just working super hard to kind of process uh, the alcohol itself. And eventually the pancreas becomes very unhappy, very upset, and begins a pretty profound, um, sometimes very scary uh, kind of inflammatory process where it can ultimately lead to um, shutting down of all organs. We call that multi-organ um, dysfunction or, or failure. Um And it's not uncommon for, you know, in the surgical ICU that I work to see this. Um, That in itself is acute pancreatitis. Uh, Some people who are chronically drinking for years and years, um, you know, sometimes there's no rhyme or reason why some people will get an acute pancreatitic 
you know, process versus, oh, I've been drinking for years. I never had an acute attack, but chronically your pancreas is, is inflamed and not happy and unable to function how it should. A high fat diet um, can cause a lot of issues with the pancreas. Um, you're asking that, you know, pancreas and organ to work constantly to break down fatty, fatty foods, fatty processes. And, you know, ultimately the pancreas will get tired, inflamed, and, um, you know, start having the, the chronic symptoms that we had just discussed. Being overweight is also sometimes, um, again, you're putting a lot of stress on an organ that you're asking to constantly work. And this goes with the consumption of, you know, high fatty foods as well. So this is all kind of a, you know, intertwined, um, you know, stressors that get put on the pancreas as well. Um, smoking can be, you know, smoking obviously is not good in any way, shape, or form for any organ of the body, but the pancreas can also suffer as well. And then unfortunately, sometimes you have the crappy luck of the, you know, the draw with genetic conditions. Um, cystic fibrosis is a genetic condition that can ultimately wreak a little havoc on the pancreas as well. And then obviously, um, you know, cancer can be a problem. Um, drugs, meaning, you know, certain medications where the pancreas itself is, is you know, having to process um, certain, you know, enzymes and, and, you know, breakdown of certain pharmaceutical medications as well. And sometimes, as crappy as this sounds, it's idiopathic, meaning we just don't know why your pancreas got so angry. You may not have all of the above. You may be, you know, a thin, healthy person, not a high-fat diet, not a drinker, don't smoke. Um, you know, you may not have, you know, no gallstones to to speak of or duct blockage or obstruction, um, you know, in the gallbladder or, or, you know, ducts itself. So unfortunately, pancreatitis is one of those scary ones where you may not have all the above and still suffer from, um, you know, some type of pancreatic insufficiency or issue. So when talking about um, the pancreatic disease process, I kind of touched base a little bit already on this. You can obviously have an acute pancreatitis versus a chronic pancreatitis. And, you know, the big question is what happens physiologically to the pancreas when it is inflamed? And experimentally, we believe that the enzymes of the pancreas um, you know, these enzymes that the pancreas makes become active within the pancreatic cells. And, you know, this should normally occur, like I told, like I said earlier, you know, the enzymes should be staying in the GI tract. They should be, you know, squirting out basically into the small intestine of the duodenum and then helping to break down food through the intestinal tract process. When things maybe get backlogged, or the enzymes are not able to push forward and kind of regurgitate back, this can lead to an acute injury inside the pancreas. And what we think sort of happens is an autodigestion, meaning the enzymes literally start digesting the pancreas itself. These enzymes are potent. These enzymes, um, their job is to break things down. And when, when the enzymes are not able to move forward, you're going to start to have that breakdown of the pancreas in itself. Um, this ultimately leads to a downstream of systemic complications, which, you know, I kind of explained. The pancreas is unhappy, um, but that releases tons of inflammatory, you know, issues um, around the pancreas even, where you start getting 
um, you know, massive fluid shifts and um, the lungs aren't happy, uh, you know, your breathing starts to become compromised, um, infections can ensue, um, you know, your heart is working harder, uh, really there's a, there's a pretty profound, um, in an acute phase, I should say, a profound downstream trickle effect on the body itself um, once this autodigestion process really kind of starts. So the number one cause of pancreatitis, like I said before, is gallstones. Um, alcohol use is uh, typically number two. Instrumentation, um, it can be a big problem, meaning you go in for, um, you know, you've got a, a, um, gall, a gallbladder stone that's blocking a duck. You go in for a procedure called an ERCP where they actually take instruments, go into your gastrointestinal tract and try and, you know, fish them out. Um, that can ultimately make the pancreas not very happy because you're kind of mucking around in that, in the pups, you know, in the pipes and ducks that are, you know, close to the pancreas itself. Um, but gallstones really are the number one. You've, you've basically just blocked a duck. Um, just having a gallstone increases your risk of pancreatitis 25 to 35 um, fold, which is kind of impressive and scary at the same time. Uh, but really the good news is most people can pass a stone on their own um, if the stone is, is you know, um, small enough to kind of work its way through. And then alcohol, like I said, um, 10% of chronic alcoholics will develop pancreatitis or, or some type of an attack at some point in time in their alcohol journey. Uh, kind of more so the reason to just be cognizant of how much you're drinking. Um, you know, a lot of times it's not what, it's not the what, it's not, oh, well, I drink beer, I'm okay. I drink liquor, I'm okay. Um, sometimes it's just the perfect storm the unperfect storm or, you know, not great perfect storm of, um, you know, one person drinking maybe X amount and the other person drinking X amount more, but the person who drank more didn't get pancreatitis and the other person did. Um, I'm sure there's a kind of genetic predisposition involved in that as well. Uh, but again, sometimes it's the crappy unluck, you know, unluck of the draw basically. And then having underlying like hepatitis issues, Epstein-Barr virus, um, or again, drug-induced, uh, meaning pharmaceutical drug-induced, can be um, an issue as well. So, t- you know, talking a little bit more about just the, cr- you know, chronic pancreatitis. Again, you know, we're looking at a big inflammatory process. The pancreas itself be- can become fibrosed. Um, you know, there can be irreversible losses of, of the overall, um, Xenar and isolate cell function in the pancreas itself. So these are the cells that help to make the pancreas do what they need to do. And ultimately you could lose, you know, irreversible function from that. And what happens really is once the inflammatory process is, is, kind of settled out and the dust is settled, what can actually happen is parts of your pancreas can then become what we call necrosed um, or, you know, avascular. There's no vessels supplying blood flow to that area. They literally become black, um, necrotic, nasty, and um, ultimately at some point, you know, you may need to go in and physically remove um, some of the necrotic tissue once the pancreas has actually settled down, had time to kind of cool off. That's the safest uh, route to really go. 
But again, you know, with the chronic pancreatitis, you're looking at glucose intolerance, overt diabetes may actually show up later in the course. But again, malabsorption of fat-soluble vitamins causing uh, what we call steatorrhea, which is fatty, fatty poop. Basically, that's sometimes where people have that oily, greasy poo that they, um, you know, say is is kind of their normal poo, but you're like, this isn't normal because it's full of fat. Um, and that usually shows up, you know, after more than 90% of the pancreas has become insufficient. So you start seeing these things when pretty much a good majority of the pancreas has already said, well, that's that, I'm done I'm completely ineffective in doing what I need to do um, from a functional standpoint. And then, you know, looking at labs, when we look at labs that are specific to the pancreas, um, truly in chronic pancreatitis, your amylase, your lipase, these enzymes that we sometimes look at um, can be normal, can still be normal. In an acute phase, they won't be. They should be elevated, um, you know, if you're looking at an, in an acute pancreatitis. But um, truly, if, if, you know, there's chronosity and, and you know, um, a chronic standpoint of pancreatitis, those lab values may not be erroneous. And we usually use a CT um, image of the abdomen and pelvis to really help determine structural changes that correlate with any impairment um, that we're seeing with lab values or even looking at, you know, what your clinical symptoms are and matching that and correlating that with what uh, a CT image would show. So the big question is then, right, the take home, what can I do at home besides, you know, limiting my alcohol, working on, you know, losing weight, limiting fat intake, stop smoking, you know, that's the number one, check that right off the list, that's that to me is a given. Um, you know, what can I do from a nutritional and supplemental standpoint to aid in pancreatic support? Where there's lots of um, supplements out there that can help with just that. Um, chromium picolate um, actually is one type of supplement that will help to stabilize blood sugar. So, you know, again, you have the pancreas that that's one of their jobs, right? Is to, is it too high? Is it too low? Do you need insulin? Do you need glucagon? What do you need? Um, the chromium picolinate, um, will actually help stabilize that, um, in your blood sugar, you know, uh, if, if you're having some pancreatic issues, garlic is a huge um, supplement that has antiviral and antioxidant properties, um, which can help really from an immune standpoint, you know, given your pancreas doesn't necessarily work directly on the immune system, but you can start to have pretty profound effects on your immune, you know, system and on the whole, if your pancreas is not happy and healthy. Uh, Calcium and magnesium in the chelated form uh, really helps to counteract kind of glandular disorders, and that's what we kind of consider the um, pancreas to be. And what's interesting is, you know, when I look at, okay, people take kind of over-the-counter calcium, magnesium, this chelated form, and no pun intended, is what's key. (laughs) Chelated minerals are um, really mineral supplements that are kind of touted or um, perked a benefit for improved absorption. The word chelate actually means to create a ring-like complex um, or to grab on or to bond to usually protein molecules or like amino acids. What this means is basically you're just going to get better absorption 
with chelated forms of calcium and magnesium. So more bang for your buck. Will you pay a little bit more for a chelated um, mineral? Yes, you will. But that beats taking supplements that may not even benefit you or having to take more of the supplements that are not chelated, actually indirectly spending more on those supplements versus getting, um, you know, like I said, more bang for your buck with with a chelated, uh, you know, process. Uh, pancreatin it um, or pancreatic kind of enzyme support, it replaces the enzyme deficiency in pancreatitis. So giving back your body the um, pancreatic enzymes that aren't there anymore, right? The insufficiency that's not there anymore. Um, the majority of these um, enzymes can be um, animal-based, um, they actually take the enzymes from certain um, animals themselves. So if you're more of a vegetarian vegan, there are some pancreatic um, enzyme options, but just be cognizant that um, you know if if you're not a meat eater, you need to be cautious with some pancreatic enzyme formulas um, because they will actually take like bovine, I want to say bovine enzymes, um, you know, cow enzymes and things of that nature. Vitamin B complex. Always good for anti-stress vitamin. Um, it, you know that should just be a staple no matter what. Um, but using a good vitamin B complex to help reduce any stressors um, is profoundly beneficial with a pancreatitis um, process. Choline and in- inositol, which are fat emulsifiers that aid in fat digestion. So again, kind of giving your body back what it's missing from the enzymes that aren't there, aren't able to be released from a Um, damaged pancreas. Vitamin C, always good for free radical scavenger. We always, um, you know, need that to kind of scavenge up all of the, uh, you know, excess, um, you know, yuckies that are kind of hanging around our body, you know, gets rid of a lot of these free radicals every single day. And for vitamin C to be able to scavenge those up and rid them of the body is always a good thing and less work for, you know, your organs that do that as well. Vitamin E, zinc, coenzyme Q10, again, antioxidants to help with enzymatic activity repair. Burdock root and milk thistle. Um, I always err on more the milk thistle route, um, but really just helps to cleanse the bloodstream, the liver, reduces pancreatic burden, which is something you're looking to do right now, right? You're, You're trying to take away the work from the pancreas itself. Um, but I found good results with milk thistle and really helping um, from a liver standpoint and cleansing that bloodstream. Dandelion root also helps to stimulate the bile production and improve um, the health of the pancreas as well. And then obviously from a nutritional standpoint, the low-fat um, diet, low-sulfur diet is a big uh, you know, component of the pancreas health as well. And with a low sulfur diet, you're looking at actually limiting altogether animal animal products, proteins, and dairy products. That's really what ensues a diet in low sulfur. Um, stop the alcohol, stop the smoking. And um, interestingly enough, the research has kind of shown people, you know, always said, oh, well, probiotic, you know, probiotic may not actually be beneficial to kind of help with, um, you know, gut health that can ensue with pancreatitis as well. Um, when I do see these patients, they're they're they have a higher prevalence, I should say, of developing um, you know microbial 
issues and infections. And um, just from what the research has shown, a probiotic may not be beneficial um, for patients with at least, you know, acute pancreatitis and, and helping with the gut microbiota at the, at the point in time of an acute phase. Chronic phase may be a different story, so... But um, that's really pancreatitis in a nutshell. You know, I think the pancreas itself is sometimes a misunderstood organ. But um, when you see kind of what I see in the healthcare system, it is one organ you just do not want to mess with. Um, Keep it happy. Keep it healthy. Don't uh, take it for granted in the essence of, um, you know, trying to you know, take supplements that help support your pancreas. If you know you have some type of pancreatic insufficiency, getting those enzymes in your body and helping your body to break down, you know, the appropriate um, proteins, fats, um, you know, starches and things of that nature. That way the, you know, malnutrition doesn't become an issue and have an effect. And and really keeping the pancreas happy is, you know, the big the big take home. Um that's that's really kind of the gist and I hope this was helpful I hope this kind of cleared up uh, you know some information on uh, you know how you can keep your pancreas happy and if you have any questions don't hesitate to email me or visit my website at purerootwellness.net and check out some of the videos associated with pancreatitis I hope everyone is doing well and be well Thanks for listening to another Pure Root Wellness Podcast. To learn more about ways to optimize your health using nutritional and supplemental support, visit my website at pureroutwellness.net, where you'll find more videos and links regarding holistic approaches to your nutrition, supplement knowledge, and health topics. Be well, friends. The content distributed in this podcast is intended for informational purposes only and is not intended for medical advice.